Okay, so Paul Tarot, Managing Director of Vestact. I, I find it unfair that you want to have a go at Simon Gear. I don't think that Simon Gear is alone in believing that Facebook is about to fall or, or, uh, fall flat on its face. I think it's a, a worldwide opinion, but have a go at Simon Gear if you must. <laughs> so Simon tweeted this week, and somebody forwarded to me a uh, Twitter message which says, the end is nigh. Epidemiological modeling predicts 80% loss of Facebook users by 2017. And then it links to an article, right? But just look at this. So uh, Facebook has gone in 10 years exactly from a dorm room business to a $140 billion market cap corporation. So clearly something successful is happening there. The research document is two doctoral candidates at Princeton who say that Facebook's popularity is spreading like a virus, hence ep- epidemiological, which mm-hmm. you know, sounds like a big leap for me. But secondly, their whole model is based on the idea that MySpace, which News Corp bought and then uh, you know, basically wrote everything off, went from a period of high subscriber growth to a period where they basically just tailed off. And so they're saying, okay, well, then the same thing's going to happen to Facebook, which just is patently ridiculous. I mean, Bruce... Youngsters, yes, are using Snapchat and WhatsApp and Instagram and so on, and incidentally, Facebook owns Instagram. But remember, older people for whom Facebook is a revelation and a massively popular service, they're the ones that have the money. So they're the ones that Facebook wants to reach. And as people get older, they'll be losing these old uh, you know, devices and using these ones too. So quite frankly, I just think the whole thing is totally nonsense. Facebook's going from strength to strength. At the end of this month, they'll probably roll out a new format. Everyone will love it. It's going to be called All Ads Mobile Version 2.0. Well, it's, it's really interesting to see how the demographics, how the demographics shift when it comes to, to Facebook. Yes, it was the, a kid's playground initially, but it becomes a way for grandparents to keep in touch with, with grandchildren, frankly, all over the world. And the demographics of the usage of Facebook have changed fundamentally over the last couple of years, which gives it that durability and sustainability. Yeah, well, it's already being used by more than a billion people, and there are only seven of a billion of us on the planet, so it's clearly doing something right. And as you know, in these social media things, there's an enormous benefit for being the big elephant, because then if everybody wants to be there, they've got to be there. So honestly, I don't think uh, people ought to be writing this one off. They ought to be buying the shares. There we go. Facebook getting the thumbs up from Paul Turon, while everybody else from Princeton anyway thinks it's a dead duck. Now, Santa Bank in the blunders news this week. I hope you pick this one up. Yeah, I heard you talking to them yesterday, or at least about them, to the about regulator. them, about no, I was just talking to, about them because they wouldn't talk to me about themselves. Exactly. Well, that's my point. So they get fined 130 million rand for poor controls in the UK for dealing with fishy people by the UK authorities. And what do we get from them? Stony silence. The CEOs in Davos. Enough said. Compare that to a similar event which unfolded this week in South Korea where a bank called the KB Cookman Group regrettably had all of its customers' credit cards details stolen by an employee-turned-hacker gone bad at the Korean Credit Bureau. So in other words, he didn't even work for the bank. Their systems weren't up to scratch, and some idiot at the Credit Bureau stole all of their customers' data. So what happened? They called a press conference. All 27 top executives from KB Cookman Bank stood in a row in black suits, At the end of the press conference, they lined up, bowed down, not just for a moment, for a long time, and then they handed in their resignations and walked out. So uh, that's the difference, it seems, between bankers in one country and bankers in another. So it just tells a story, doesn't it? I mean, from Standard Bank, not a peep.
Uh, it's interesting, and uh, it would have been a tragedy to see the Joint Chief Executives of Standard Bank stepping down so soon. It wasn't; it was a blunder, but not that bad. I mean, you're kind of brutal on this one, Paul Teron. Um, then the U.S. Justice well, look, to- Bruce, I mean, yeah. credit card fraud in South Africa is decreasing, apparently, and the banks will tell you it's because of the good technology. But I think the real reason is they've given so many cards to so many people who've used up all of the credit. So if in this country every single South African's credit card details were stolen, it wouldn't really be a big deal because the net receipts for the hackers would be like 3250 <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the, the U.S. Justice Department is, is, is in a spot of bother. Well, the Justice Department's cross with a private contractor. The, the Justice Department seems to have a lot of trouble with its private contractors. Well, it's an interesting story because it just tells you that corruption is everywhere, Bruce. The bigger the country, the more outrageous the crimes. So we shouldn't really let these things get us down. You know that there's a company in the United States called USIS, a shadowy private contractor, which exists principally, it's hired by the U.S. intelligence community, which means the CIA and the Department of Defense, to do background checks on prospective federal employees. So they started looking at USIS because they were the guys that checked Edward Snowden, right? Mm -hmm. And we know that didn't work out so well. Only to find that USIS had conducted at least 665 additional fake background checks in the period from 2008 to 2012 and then bold the U.S. government. So basically they coined millions and millions of U.S. dollars in bogus fees by checking out people or pretending to check out people that didn't really ever exist. And, you know, as usual, they left a trail of emails between the employees of the company. You know, with phrases like, I've flushed everything like a dead goldfish, <laughs> said one person in one email. So I don't know how they thought they'd get away with it, because, you know, in the end of the day, this was destined to come out. But my point, again, corruption, people, it's everywhere. It's a global disease. Don't take it personally. Yeah, absolutely. And then you want to have a glow, a, a glow, a go at those who believe in global warming. Well, you know, there are still people on the planet who believe that global warming is rubbish and that uh, it's just a big mistake and that it's never happening and it'll go away and look, it's cold in the northern hemisphere, so it must just be a joke. But it may interest such people to know that the North Pole used to be totally frozen all year round above a certain latitude. And in wintertime, it was totally impossible, of course, beyond even a fairly low latitude. But did you know that the sea route from Asia to Europe, which of course is a major one for global trade, about 18,000 vessels every single year go through the Suez Canal, for example. Did you know that the northern route is now becoming increasingly possible? So if you want to send something from China to Europe, you can just sail around the the north. You can go around the top of Russia and come over the top. So because of this, they've had to set up a new thing called the Polar Code, which is new rules for sailing above 72 degrees latitude north. And it makes sense because, you know, we can't have littering up there. You can't flush your oil bunkers up there. <laughs> what about the polar bears? What about Santa and it, the elves? What about elves? Mess up it, their neighborhood? It's the elves I'm worried about. And then finally, and I'm a little bit afraid of this one, be gentle on the Pope. <laughs> he's a you nice know, guy. Pope, he's Come clearly on. a happening guy. Have you noticed how much he's in the news? Absolutely. He even met with the philandering French Prime Minister. Exactly. I mean, he seems so much nicer than the previous Pope. Forgive me, Father, for I've sinned many, many times, and I intend doing so again, so can I have some some credits, please? And he even sent a message to Davos this week about people not being greedy. Yeah. not sure how that was well received, but his favorite headline from the Pope this week, for me anyway, was the one where he wrote a missive saying that the Internet is a gift from God. So, yeah, Bruce, I'm not too sure about that last comment, because, you know, the Internet is fabulous. I like it a lot. Wikipedia, I think, is super. 
social media. It's fabulous. Facebook, I was saying earlier, is a wonderful operation, and I'm particularly fond of Twitter. But, uh, you know, it really actually works, the Internet, due to massive, massive financial investment in infrastructure by, you know, telcos <laughs> and, you know, humans. And there are too many pictures of cats on the Internet. That's definitely the humans. And then there's the pornography. That's definitely the humans. Paul Teron, the Managing Director of Vestac. Thanks very much this evening getting us into a spot of bother with the Pope.